0: Hello, this is Bill Curley.
1: And Holly Hudley.
0: And welcome to the podcast, In Between, which is an educational offering of
1: St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life.
0: Okay, so um, I happened to have um, some time yesterday, that i was not counting on so i decided to go ahead and work on our time for sunday
1: yeah i appreciated and, that thank um, you
0: i saw when i posted two more blocks this morning <laughs> that you had in one of your things said bill i'm not sure that i can do this or something like that and <clears throat> that's the impression i got anyway. oh, that's
1: interesting But that's the impression you got. That's not what I intended to communicate.
0: (laughs) Well, I just didn't have much time. Maybe Mm -hmm. we should let people in on what we're talking about.
1: Let's do that. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hi.
0: (laughs) So, um, you know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, as it is found in the Christian writing called Matthew, Mm-hmm. And we've reached a point where Jesus is teaching, according to the narrative, what we have come to know is the Lord's Prayer.
1: Right. Which
0: is probably the most well-known, most certainly the most frequently recited piece in all of Christendom. Yeah. it's said every Sunday in most churches, and um devout catholics such as my one of my heroes stephen colbert Mm
1: -hmm.
0: praises the rosary i don't know what you know about that but that involves a lot of praying in the lord's prayer and so i thought And I really do believe this. I really do believe that looking at the Lord's Prayer in a pretty in-depth way will give us the opportunity to do several things. First of all, to talk about contemplative practice, Mm -hmm. which is what I would suggest that you use instead of the word prayer. Ah. And it will also give us a chance to talk about a lot of in-depth theology.
1: Yeah, yeah. So do you know um, the origins of the word prayer, kind of, where it came from, what its original, maybe Ar- meaning in Aramaic, or what the equivalent would be, et cetera? I'll,
0: I'll find out. Didn't you talk yeah.
1: about that Sunday? I, I talked about the etymology of the word prayer, which um, I loved the Hebrew, which was to examine oneself, mm-hmm. to be um, to be in in sort of an in an internal process rather than in an external plea or beseeching, um, which is not to say that as that our, our self is the end all be all, but it is to say that prayer in the Hebrew translation of it is, is a kind of inward examination. and will look inward, which if sure. we go there, it's, it's the most, it's as expansive as the universe, you know, our inward selves are as expansive as, the infinite
0: universe um, um so I'll, I'll try to i'll try to find something about that that would that yeah. would be interesting to know yeah um i found it really interesting when i was about 20 years ago getting involved in the jesus and seminar material and I read um, some Jesus seminar book on the Lord's Prayer, which I can't put my hands on now. But um, what we call the Lord's Prayer was something that was constructed by the early church. It was not something that Jesus himself put together, sorry to say, Mm -mm. or relieved to say, however you want to look at it. but it was really interesting, and we'll, we'll talk about that as, as, as we go along. Um, I have done some work basically relying on the work of Neil Douglas Klotz on the Aramaic rendition of the Lord's Prayer, which I love and have a little bit of problem with, which we can talk about, but it is one that I read over every single day
1: yeah you've said that and yeah. and you've read it um, for us in class and you you suggested if I remember correctly that 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 prayer um, may have been closer to the original Aramaic or not yes okay yeah. um, you know and i I just think about how um, how cosmology has evolved right At, there was a time in human history when, when the natural world was wondrous and not understood. And, um, you know, we believed in an earth centric universe. We believed that volcanoes needed to be appeased. We believed that rain was the work of the gods, um, either angry or happy with us. (laughs) And, um, we had a very deified relationship with nature or the natural world which isn't so necessarily far from kind of holding it as mysterious, but we, what we did is we personified it. And so from there evolved religions from there evolves rituals. And we also personified the gods, the gods that we prayed to the God that we pray to um, as opposed to keeping it in that sort of numinous category It's funny that as you read what I wrote on our um, document, you read as I can't do this. (laughs) I think where I always sort of stop myself is at that question of who is the God that I think I am praying to. Mm -hmm. Um, Because immediately uh, I'm called to suspend some disbelief in personifying God. And yet to personify God draws God nearer because I can imagine, you know, we, we want to imagine something. Mm-hmm. And, in contemplation for me, what I have been working on, you're not supposed to work in contemplation, but you know what I mean, um, <laughs> is, um, is not imagining form.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas I, on the other hand, mm-hmm. um, and I'll come back to this in just a minute ask you a question. I, on the other hand, ha- find a great deal of value in my own sitting practice, contemplative practice, gazing at icons, mm-hmm. at least as far as I understand it, in, in, in the, the original way that icons were to be used. They were seen as lenses through which you opened yourself to the sacred. Not idols, not things that you prayed to, but they are simply uh, opportunities to mm-hmm. focus and to to contemplate. Yeah. And I think it might be helpful if we personified the earth.
1: I think that there's, so that's where it's kind of, I, I am coming back around to something, right? Um, personification anthropomorphizing helps us to relate, right? It helps us mm-hmm. to relate to this thing or what we might call the other as part of self. Mm-hmm when we anthropomorphize something, oh, my dog loves me so much that relates us to the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where I was writing just before we got on was in thinking about as long as we can also hold in the other hand, that that language is just a metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, That any language that we throw at the sacred (laughs) is just a metaphor for Mm -hmm. what, for something that's uncontainable, for something that's undefinable. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is sort of the magic of spiritual evolution, I suppose, is that as we, as we sort of become more able to hold mystery, move away from certainty, then we can, we can say, dear God, and know that it's just metaphorical, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, um, and I don't know how much you have read of John Tucker's book whether you've gotten to the stained glass, clear la- glass m- metaphor yet.
1: Wait, that was in the very beginning, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. yep. yeah. Oh.
0: So as you know, mm-hmm. I have this real affinity and attraction to the Gothic architecture and to the stained glass that are part of Gothic architecture. When those cathedrals were built, and i will take one of my favorites the cathedral in leon spain Mm -hmm. which is an amazing cathedral and it was built in only 50 years
1: Mm.
0: 50 years that's a really really short period of time yeah many were built
1: over hundreds of years yeah yeah
0: so um i've been in that cathedral now four times i mean I've been in the cathedral many times, but I visited on four separate occasions and I would go back in it on over a day or two when we were there. When those cathedrals were built, the majority of people were illiterate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, the only way they had access to stories that informed them about who they were and what they were to do was to walk into one of these cathedrals and more than likely uh, have someone interpret what they were seeing but maybe not and so they were bathed in this kaleidoscopic mixture of color and mystery which is how they got informed about those two essential spiritual things about who am I and and how am I to live? Mm-hmm. And, and um, I, I think that we don't even have to have language
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: to step into the sacred.
1: That's so true. Um, one of the things that we have wondered over time as human beings who have studied the natural world, who have studied animals, is um, does language lend itself to a higher understanding? Right? Language seems to be, seems to be wholly that we can put language on paper, that we can construct language in a way that can be shared with another generation, that can be passed forward, seems to be uniquely human that we can create, we can preserve our thought and share it forward. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, animals can't do that. This is not to say they don't have language, but they don't have writing, but -hmm. there are some animals that have ritual Um, elephants, my favorite being one of them. They have death rituals, um, grieving rituals and or what appear like rituals where the, the matriarch elephants will gather around um, a dead body, a dead carcass and low and moan and grieve over the dead body. That's a form of a, um, of ritual. Would you say so? I would. Yeah. And, and, and prayer, they put sounds to that. They put elephant language to that, but it's not preserved to share Later on, three generations later with the offspring, the way that it's shared is by showing from mm-hmm. from mother elephant to child elephant, from grandmother elephant, etc right that's a matriarchal um, herd. Mm-hmm. And and I think that what you just said is like that's a how um, how do we as humans, share the, the ritual of, of prayer, of being in awe of um, sacred mystery, and awe of that which surround us, or even the ability to grieve. We, throw, we show grief, for example, through tears, completely wordless. Um, we show joy through laughter. What I, where I arrived and kind of writing last night was, um, you know, what if our prayers began with a gasp? with a sense of awe. Mm-hmm. You know, p- prayers are a way of, sh- of demonstrating awe mm-hmm. in the, in, in between us and the sacred, between us and the unknown, between us and the cosmos. And any approximation of words is just an attempt to put down, how do we translate that all?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and one of the things that I'm gonna say Sunday, is that and I haven't written this yet it's just in exist in my head um even when we say something that something has got to be interpreted by the person or people to whom we say it and that gets really 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 complicated Mm -hmm. um and I'll, I'll I'll demonstrate that on Sunday with a, a a phrase that a colleague of mine worked up and worked on um, about a, a don't drink and drive phrase, mm-hmm. mm. and uh, he ca- came up with this phrase about Chicagoans do not drink and drive. Now. And I will show Sunday that that particular sentence has about 15 different distinct interpretations. So you can make it say pretty much what you want to. And what I think is terribly important about this is that, you know, the uh, Amanda Gorman in the inauguration poem talked about, do we have the courage to step into the truth? Which means going back.
1: Mm And looking at our history. And looking at our history. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thinking that this exercise that I'm proposing, and it may we may decide after we get into it for a while not to do it, but I, I just I just sat with the the Lord's prayer yesterday and again this morning, and I thought, wow, this is such a rich opportunity to talk about things that really, really are, are so relevant. Yeah. Um, the first word, and this is my quarrel with Neil Douglas Klotz's version mm-hmm. of Aramaic version of the Lord's Prayer. It's very individualistic, mm-hmm. focused on, on the individual. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, that was not the focus of Jesus of Nazareth. He was not, he could care less about the individual soul for example and if you're going to heaven when you die or any of that sort of thing and and so the the his emphasis was always on our mhm mhm and boy that is not our culture
1: that is not our culture it's um and i think that this this other part of prayer um as we have traditionally been taught is that we're praying out to something. So whereas contemplation brings what is out inward, or there's some, there's some exchange that happens there. Mm -hmm. Um, My association with prayer, again, as we have traditionally been taught is up and out. And so that keeps God, that keeps some understanding of the sacred out there. And I think the biggest transition for me in my own life of exploring sacred mystery is that it's not out there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, thanks to yours truly, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also the literature that y- you know you've you've grown from and learned from, and even so, what what is it that proves that? to be true, and I'm using true in quotes here. How do we know that it is not something, that God is not out there, that heaven is not a place, so to speak? What personal experiences do we have with prayer and sacred mystery that help us to know that it is right here, that we are amidst it and among it and between it?
0: Well, the first thing that came to my mind was you should be an expert on this having given birth
1: Oh my gosh, we were having the same thought in the same moment. Say it, please.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what could be more mysterious and wonderful and intimate and at the same time, absolutely incomprehensibly yeah. beyond you?
1: And yet, as as so the, as, right know, as the, rain, the, as they say, as natural as breathing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So there there is this dialectic, and this comes from a Jewish philosopher, Abraham Heschel, who said, you know, you you have on the one hand, when you talk about whatever we mean by the word God, you have on the one hand, this mysterious, tremendous, it it is a mystery so beyond us, not meaning out there, but just so Mm -hmm. beyond us that we can not comprehend it. And yet, it is also and i don't know i can't recapture the latin word i'll have it sunday it's the the fascination of that which is so close to me it is right. equally terrifying the
1: intimacy both at the both same the time. intimacy and the mystery and and, and that is time. why um, poetry <laughs> is such a form of prayer for me because poetry seems to inhabit mm-hmm. that space between image and word, you can read the word, and it conjures uh-huh. an image between known and and ineffable, between numinous and uh-huh. profane, <laughs> and yeah. So,
0: and I would say the same thing about mm-hmm. stained glass mm-hmm. and icons. For me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that um, I I know you know uh, in my marriage, Sherry is the one with the travel gene. And so one of the tremendous benefits that I have derived from being with her is to be taken to these really wonderful places. And we went to Spain, the first time we went to Spain, we went to Avila, of course, to see um, Mm -hmm. uh, Teresa Mm -hmm. of Avila's place. We went so long ago that the restrictions for tourists were just barely in place i mean you could walk right in to her bedroom to what you know her cell and it's all right there i'm sure mm. you couldn't do that today we went to toledo spain and i remember um the first time i stepped into the cathedral in toledo it literally i, I mean i'm not speaking metaphorically i went oh like that because it was just oh there was your prayer there was it it was you know that was the first time I had this thought uh in in being inside of a cathedral like that of where did Mm -hmm. this come from Mm -hmm. I mean I know that there were architects and builders and artists and all that but where did this Mm -hmm. come from And you as an artist know that there are things that you produce that you didn't think
1: of. Or you had no idea the direction that something was going to go from start to finish. Absolutely. Maybe we feel like that every Sunday. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Oh, I was going to say also, you know, I think that the Hebrew texts have it really nailed down there is no spelling of the word God. There is no saying of the word God. Right. Yahweh is breath. It's not a, It's not a mm-hmm. word. It's not an image. It's just a breath, a gasp as you experienced walking into the cathedral, right?
0: And, and you know, when you were talking a minute ago about something. I, I wanted to say we have to leave a huge space mm-hmm. for faith. I don't mm-hmm.
1: know. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't prove. Mm-hmm.
0: But I believe.
1: When I was younger, the first prayer I memorized um, was the Lord's Prayer. And it wasn't because of Sunday school and it wasn't because of church. It was because of chapel in a non-denominational school. But we went to chapel, and there were people who practiced Judaism, people who practiced Hinduism, I'm sure people who practiced Buddhism, and people who practiced nothing at all. But every chapel closed with the Lord's Prayer, although it was non-denominational. And I was only like 14. I mean, that I, we really we just weren't a praying family. I wasn't taught to kneel down by my bed and you know, ask God or talk to God. Um, So I think the thing that we presume in that sort of simplistic childlike way of learning to pray is that everyone must mean the same thing. You know, when we learn it through a particular lens, we learn this very right, wrong way of praying. And I wonder is that the quote unquote right way to teach kids to pray, to pray with certainty, to pray with, you know what I mean?
0: Well, um, I, I drop back to a metaphor that I use a lot, and that is, you know, it, it, what, is, what is the right way to teach music? And you Mm -hmm. teach music by teaching the fundamentals. You teach the scales, and you -hmm. you give what music teachers call etudes, studies, that students Mm -hmm. go and do. Mm -hmm. And those are merely a doorway through which, hopefully, someday, a musician will emerge. But the doorway is essential to... beginning to be able to do the improvisations that are required to play music. You can't do it if you don't know the scales Mm -hmm. and don't know all that, all that sort of stuff, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. you have to learn the rules of grammar. You have to learn the Mm -hmm. rules of math and then you can be you can do other things with it, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 introducing something that I think is so um, magical in and of itself is grammar. You know, uh, do I pray? Do you with a question mark, or do I pray with a period? Do I pray in wonder, or do I pray with certainty? You know, I mean, the, our, our punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It can change, it nuances something so quickly. It's as you were saying, um, the don't drink and drive, right? <laughs> uh, does that mean don't drink before I drive? Does that mean don't drink while I drive? Does uh, that mean, you know, just kind of ha- how we nuance things. Again, this is the the real mystery of the written language. Uh, is, it, is a study of that called semi- semiotics? Is that, right? Um, you know, just be how grammar insinuates meaning you know it, it, it's the comma alone <laughs> could be contemplated for a very long time <laughs> the story
0: is told of these and, two young monks who go to the abbot uh, they don't do this together they do it separately and one goes to the abbot and says um is it okay if I smoke while I'm praying? And the abbot is taken back in horror and says, absolutely not. You can't smoke and pray. The other monk goes and says, "Uh, abbot, while I'm praying, is it okay if I smoke? (laughs) They're different questions. Yes. So... Some prayers, I think, um, our circumstances are such that our prayers are so anguished, so painful, so mm-hmm. full of hurt and loss and sadness and grief and fear that they're more like screams of terror and wails, laments. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a photograph, a, a, a cover of a um, week magazine on my refrigerator of George Floyd and it will stay there Mm -hmm. for a long time and I see it every day Mm -hmm. and I think every day oh my god what he cried was a prayer I can't breathe
1: and mother mother mother. that's a prayer yeah
0: and it's not addressed I mean who to whom was he addressing that and and um yeah yeah it just conjures up so much for me uh, to to see that every day and to think about it and to think about my own yeah. my own hope and wish and desire even prayer every day is that we might lament this and move towards some real specific. Uh, acts of justice and healing that we've not done in this country before you know I, it, it, I, we drift i drift into politics a lot and talking about this stuff because i can't i don't know how not to do it um i don't read the paper a lot i don't i mean i read what sherry heads me to read i don't watch the news but i get the news feed every morning uh that i check and mm-hmm. States across the United States, particularly in the South, are already trying to enact laws that restrict voter registration. Yep.
1: That,
0: that, that is so explicitly racist. Mm-hmm. It's
1: yeah, it's so explicitly racist. It was uh, it was the Voter Registration Act and Voting Act was Systematically dismantled during Obama's tenure, and that was designed to keep uh, poor, uh, black, and uh, especially those who had been in jail from from participating in the system. And who are those who have been in jail? But the poor and mostly black. You know, it's in 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 you know this prior to the '60s, it was to keep illiterate folks from those who couldn't read. I don't think illiteracy is the same thing as ignorance. I think one can not be able to read and have a lot of wisdom. (laughs) Um, But I wanna go back to your sort of visual prayer of um, seeing George Floyd every day. And it is so important to connect with his words, his pleas of, I can't breathe and mother, but I want to further that prayer into saying, how can we create a world in which we can imagine that George Floyd is still breathing?
0: Mm. I'm going to put another picture on my refrigerator today.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm going to find that image of Amanda Gorman. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna print it out and put that on my refrigerator. Because that's another prayer of hope, and uh, I saw her interview the other night on um, Stephen Colbert. Oh my goodness! Oh, what yeah. a gift! Oh, wonderful! That's mm-hmm. a prayer. That's a prayer of hope.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's so interesting. I it just you, we have these experiences moment by moment that are paradoxes, that that week that I can experience a a friend was telling me something yesterday that made me feel immense grief and some anger. Uh, The very next minute I received, I was outside and got a a, a delivery from Amazon of Lucille Clifton's poetry. And I opened it to um, the poem that is the title, which is how to carry water. And that brought me such immense, like a breath, like a exhale. Oh God, what a beautiful poem. And so I think again, prayer, if that's the word that we are using our contemplation is, this, is the ability to hold paradox, the ability to hold two contradictory, opposite feelings, expressions at once, grief and relief, grief and joy, so
0: th- this opens the door for me to start plugging John Tucker's book.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah.
0: The 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 book is called Zero Theology. Mm-hmm. And we have already engaged him to come and do a webinar, come to do a webinar with us. Uh, and I hope to schedule that within the next three weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I talked to him. Uh, this week I didn't tell you about this conversation with him you did
1: I, yeah you did
0: I did okay you know he's a southern Baptist from Georgia
1: oh you didn't share that that's interesting that's his background yeah. that's yeah. his
0: background although he also has a law degree and a and a advanced degree in philosophy as you ah. read the book you'll pick that up he's a wooden, yeah you know he's he, he he's he's a really smart guy and fun guy and and one of the reasons I like this book is it's just so full of what you were just talking about the paradox you know he says the the first step on an authentic spiritual path is not to take it
1: yeah well and I love the the analogy of the princess and the pea
0: oh I love that that,
1: yeah you know that we both need the mattresses and we absolutely need to remove them (laughs) you know so I I think that that's this that that's a, it's a beautiful image, right? It's like, it's to be in awareness that the the sort of ego development image I use when I'm teaching this stuff to teachers or to kids is our spacesuit, right? We, we, we all have a sort of spacesuit on. Um, What are we padding that spacesuit with? Is it getting too puffy so that we can't move around freely in it? Or is it too deflated so that it feels like it's sticking to our skin and our, you know, in space, quite literally, if we didn't have a spacesuit, we would die. How, and so here on earth, so to speak, how do we, um, how do we use that space suit to protect us just enough, but not too much? Yeah. You know,
0: same thing with the ego and the
1: self. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, I think I, I, for the record, (laughs) am, am very interested in talking about prayer. I hope that it is also okay that we grapple with, or that I grapple with, what is the struggle in prayer? What is the struggle in, in sort of the traditional form of prayer?
0: Oh, Um, we shall give you a new name then. uh I don't know what the feminine form of Jacob is.
1: I don't know. Ah, but that's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Well, that's
0: what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Is mm-hmm. that when you get involved in this messy business of trying to figure out how you bring enlarged large being into the world and live out of your true self, that's a prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, so prayers can be things that are enacted uh, maybe the word prayer just conjures up too many bad, or not bad, but not useful images. And maybe we just should stick with what uh, Roar uses, and that's just contemplation.
1: Well, this is sort of like my insistence on using God, is that in my insistence on using God, I want to be like, no, let's expand God. We should not limit God to the old white guy in the sky, right? Um, the same as prayer. Like, can we continue to use a word and expand its edges. You know, this is, this is so the feminine of Jacob is Jacobina.
0: <laughs>
1: How original. Well, uh, uh, we're, yeah.
0: we're, we're going to find out, and, and as you look at both Eugene Peterson's use of the prayer, or translation or paraphrase of the prayer, Mm -hmm. And as you look, and I've already put this on a slide so you can see it, Neil Douglas Klotz's thing, I think it took up three three slides.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, You can see that there's fertile ground there to explore a lot of these social justice, theological ideas that we really need to reconstruct, deconstruct and then reconstruct Mm -hmm in order to live more freely and lovingly and hopefully and courageously mm-hmm. and bravely and all those other things in this world, which God knows we need.
1: Mm-hmm. Right now. Well, I'll be excited when we get to the line about um, what, it, which, what I would say is about reparations, repairing relationship. Mm-hmm. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
0: Well, um, again, um, John Tucker, Mm -hmm. Zero Theology. Highly recommend it. It is not an easy read for people, I don't think. Do you? You have to be thoughtful in reading his book and not be terrified
1: Yeah, I think if you can enter into it with a spirit of um, playfulness, Uh a spirit of mystery, you're there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. By the way, I um, watched In and of Itself for the second time last night. Uh Uh-huh. Have you seen it again?
1: I didn't watch it again yet. I need to. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, uh, I'm, and I'm going, maybe we will even have Scott Wells on as a guest. I'm going to yes. talk to Scott about it, but I want to, and it's not ruining a thing to tell you this. The next time you watch it, look at the mailbox.
1: Okay. The part up here that's sorted into small boxes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The okay.
0: way the letters are arranged in the mailbox Uh Is in the shape of an elephant.
1: Okay. I didn't notice that. I didn't. Jeff McDonald, Doctor
0: McDonald, pointed that out to me on Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: Everybody I've talked to who has seen it has said, "Wow, thank you." Yeah. Likewise.
1: Yeah. I need to watch it again. And as you know, I love elephants. I. I think that could be the image I evoke when I pray to God. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. We're gonna go. Yeah, absolutely. See you soon. Uh, See you.